fans, welcome to the show, the global revolution, as always, we're bringing to you all the coolest wrestling which may be falling under your radar. That's right, this week we are bringing to you a couple of bar wrestling shows, that little promotion that could out of Southern California. For the first time, I think ever, looking at a couple of uh, entire shows from that promotion, so see how they go, top to bottom, bring that uh, under the radar Southern California independent scene to you, it's going to be great. We're going to bring it all to you, and I do, of course, say weeks. I could not, would not, should not do this by myself. I'm joined by a lovely man. He's my friend. He should be yours. He's called Jeff. Jeff, say hello. Hello, everybody out there in podcast and internet land. Jeff here, Miz fan there. Sorry about missing last week. Had some business I had to unfortunately attend to at the same time I usually uh, record podcasts. So apologies for that. But here this week, we're here together this week, Ms. Fenn and I, to cover, as he mentioned, some uh, bar wrestling, the uh, very fun, lighthearted uh, atmosphere of Southern California's bar scene uh, turned into a uh, professional wrestling promotion. A lot of fun, lots of uh, sort of very weird matchups you probably aren't going to see too many other places, and I mean weird in a good way for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we checked out uh, two whole shows um, cards up and down all the way through match one to the main event, um, which I just want to say in general, I like that we're kind of taking this approach with our, uh, podcasts right now. Um, in general, I think, you know, it, it gives us a, a better opportunity to look at both the good and the bad of a promotion as a whole, and just gives us a little better insight into the way, um, promotions do things and, you know, gets us uh, more eyes on more of the talent the promotion has available. So it, I think it just gives us a, a more wide view of things like WXW and bar wrestling and things like that, which I always think is fun. You get to learn some uh, new names and new faces. You get to see exactly how a company uh, does its business uh, a little bit better than just uh, sort of cherry-picking the potential best matches. So uh, really enjoyed watching uh, these two bar wrestling shows. And, yeah, we're going to tell you what we thought about it right here on the global revolution. Absolutely. And I will say, I'm so used to uh, just seeing the good that uh, it's a little surprising to see some of the stuff I don't like as much because I've avoided it uh, up till now. But yeah, we're going to a much more holistic view of some of these things. So uh, yeah, let's jump right into it. Bar Wrestling, first show of the year, the best city I've ever been to, a reference, of course, to SCU, who's in the main event of this show. But before we get there, we need to go through all the other matches. Um, let me just say um, up front, uh, uh, go ahead uh, just, just really quickly, I uh, may have slightly misunderstood our assignment. I did watch this show, <laughs> but um, um, I, I guess I was just looking at the release dates. Apparently, I watched the, uh, um, what was it, the essential New Year's Eve show, which did technically happen in 2018 on the East Coast, but on the West Coast, they were still counting down to midnight. So uh, <laughs> I may have accidentally... I, I, I watched one of the wrong shows. But, oh, well, um, all right. Well, then I guess we're going to cover three shows here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Uh, what is that? The Midnight Hour, correct? Yes, I all do right. believe I in the Midnight Hour. All, but please uh, regale us and uh, we'll, we'll go uh, through Just it. give me one moment. Well, this was a uh, – overall, I just want to say it was a very uh, fun show. Um, it was a very interesting uh, – show overall you know i think it's the first time i've ever actually seen a show that was done from uh you know counting down to midnight on new year's eve so that in and of itself was very interesting we've got a whole bunch of really just uh 
kind of bizarre things on this show in a good way, which is kind of bar wrestling's forte. I really like that they kind of have a good mix of, you know, well-known name talent, uh, growing talent out of the uh, Southern California uh, wrestling scene. You know, they've just got a good uh, mishmash of people in bar wrestling, which is very just makes for a fun kind of hectic show as you discover people and see people and faces you've known for years and everything. It's good. It's good. I like bar wrestling. So um, we've got a couple matches on this uh, in the midnight hour show. The first one being a very it's it's a six man tag match, a, a pretty solid six man tag match. But on one side, it is Uptown Andy Brown. Brandon Cutler of the uh, Cutler Brothers, I do believe, out of uh, uh, PWG from several years ago, if you remember those names. And dude I've never seen before by the name of Dave Dutra taking on the six-man, just monstrous team of Eric Watts, Tyler Bateman, and Luchasaurus. Um, yeah, this was a uh, – I mean, it was cool to see Brandon Cutler. Um, I haven't seen the, any of the Cutler Brothers at all, period, doing anything. So it was kind of cool to see him back in the thing. Uh, I've never seen Uptown Andy Brown or Dave Dutra ever before, but uh, Andy Brown looked pretty cool. He's got a kind of he's got a lot of kicks in his arsenal. He was doing good on that front. Uh, Dave Dutra, I think I probably need to see a little bit more of him because he just kind of came off, unfortunately, a little bit generic in this match. But um, Luchasaurus was doing luchasaurus things and i think i'll talk about him a little bit more when we get to uh the actual proper show that both of us watch the overlapping <laughs> show that we have here um same thing with eric watts um he was good in this match i don't know about the uh the next six-man tag we'll talk about but he was good here um tyler bateman i'm still not he's not brody king i'm sorry he's not <laughs> he's brody very king. far away he's 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 all right he's he's decent but I just I, I can't help it when you're in a team named Violence Unlimited and you're partnering up with Brody King. He wasn't in this match, but um, yeah. Brody King uh, in the end, will not be in any matches now because uh, yes, Ring of Honor contracts um, are surprisingly restrictive, which is a shame. Now that, now that you say that, I do remember a detail about this show. To begin with, we had uh, uh, Melissa Santos, not to do uh, regular announcing, was joined – uh, at the ringside area by Brian Cage and their uh, child together. I mean, uh, one – goodness, I'm really having a sh- – struggling here. I am so <laughs> sorry, folks. One week of missing, and I am rusty as hell. I am sorry. Um, so the three of them are out there. Melissa Santos is going to do some – you know, her announcing when suddenly Brody King comes out. Um, I think at this point everyone was aware that he was potentially leaving, that mm-hmm. this was going to be maybe his last show or his last match on a bar wrestling. So he comes out there and he demands one last match. And, you know, the, the setup seems to be him versus Brian cage, but no, it's not Brian cage. It's Brian cage. And Melissa Santos's baby, whose name I am unfortunately forgetting. Um, uh, and yeah, so that happened. The baby got in the ring. You held by the parents. Brody King pointed at the baby. The baby grabbed his finger and he immediately tapped out. So that was, uh, very fun opening segment here, and I guess uh, Brody King's last official match in uh, bar wrestling, as it were. So, very fun, kind of silly send-off um, for both the uh, previous year and Brody King's uh, bar wrestling career. So, some interesting things that kicked off the show. 
Um, so yeah, that was fun. Uh, moving back to the six man tag. Um, it was, it was kind of all over the place. Bateman ends up picking up the win for his sort of thrown together team. It really felt like, I, I don't know. This was, it was a fun match, a good chance to check out everybody, but it really felt like they didn't really have, I don't know if they didn't have other ideas for these people or what it was, but they just, they threw everybody together. They had a six man tag and it was fine. It was okay. Um, Tyler Bateman wins and I guess that's, I guess that's all right. I'm not a big Tyler Bateman fan, but he won, and it was good. <laughs> yes. Fair enough. Uh, I'm a fan of um, of uh, Luchasaurus and of Eric Watts. Um, like you, I'm not that enthused about Tyler Bateman by himself. But uh, how weird and cool is it that Brandon Cutler, who was, like, really exciting in, like, what, like 2010 or something – and then mm-hmm. just fell off the face of the earth, is now back and being cool again. Like, good for in him. In fact, there's, um, uh, not in the next match, but the match after that, there'll be another name that you might uh, remember that you might have very similar feelings about, I think. Um, so, yeah, this was very weird, fun show. Be. But before we go any farther, I have to ask the most important question when it comes to bar wrestling. Who yeah. was doing commentary for this event? It was not Kevin Condren, ah. and it was not... Loud and not. Ah, well, then I'm glad the that pairing. I didn't see this show. <laughs> uh, I mean, this, this, this team did all right, but um, it it it, it wasn't Kevin Condren, it wasn't Loud and Noxious, so you know it's it's just going to be at least a step below them at For the sure. very very minimum. So. I'll say quite plainly, if uh, they ever stop doing commentary on a regular basis, then uh, I'll probably switch to Beyond Wrestling for my main American indie. Um, and that that's just that. That that is the reason I started watching bar wrestling, and uh, it's the reason that I'll, I might stop if they uh, they'll keep up their end of the bargain. So there's a message to you, Joey Ryan. Keep booking these wonderful <laughs> men. Well, I will also tell you that uh, thankfully, Loud and Noxious did the announcing on this show. Oh, actually. okay. So. Well, you should have said that in the first place. That's all fine. All good. <laughs> Not all the good. commentary, but the announcing, and it was. Goodness, it was wonderful to hear him doing that again. So good. <laughs> he's a lot of fun. Yeah, he's one of my favorites for sure. So the next match after this is a tag team match of the, I guess, I don't know if they're reunited or something, but the Rock Ness Monsters, um, Johnny Yuma, I guess now just going by Yuma, and BHK, I think was his name, uh, the former Johnny Goodtime, now Kevin Martinson or something like Big Hunky Kev, um, <laughs> Something. Yeah, Kevin Martinson is, I believe, his official name now. His actual name. They just call him BHK on this show, so I was and very confused. Can I just say, Kevin Martinson yes. is so much worse than Johnny Goodtime. What, what, what is the point of that? I don't know. Just be Johnny uh, Goodtime. Yeah, Johnny Goodtime was such a good name, too. I really yeah, dug yeah, that yeah. for some years. I don't know. It makes him less interesting just to have him called Kevin Martinson. I can, I can never remember it, and it's not good, so my yes, opinion. It's, it's really but they were taking on the tag team of Takeshi, Miyamino, and Kikutaro. And this match, uh, um, it's the Rockness Monsters, and it's Kikutaro who really stood out here doing some uh, weird uh, gimmicky stuff. Um, Kikutaro does the, I don't know what they call it, but it's like the gun, and then he, like, he likes to make the gun with his both hands, like the uh, uh, pointer finger extended outward, if I can speak. Um, and, you know, we like pokes him in the butt, but um, it did not affect uh, Martinson. It was like, I've been probed too many times. I cannot be affected by this. 
because apparently they're space cops now, are the rock nest monsters, if you weren't weren't aware. They've apparently been to space. Martinson said he'd been probed too many times, could not be affected by a uh, poke into the uh, anus, as it were. Um, however, this did not mean that... It's the Champa, have we seen such anus <laughs> Indeed. However, of course, because the fingers were in the place that they were, they did smell bad, and that's how Kikutaro used his uh, his offense then and there. Um, <laughs> this match was basically a whole big mess of just ridiculous stupidity, which I, I, I enjoyed very much. Um, Rockness Monsters messed around with Kikutaro. Uh, Minamino, uh, Minamino, I should say, uh, brought some sort of... a straight-faced levity to this match, but it was really the Rockness show, also starring Kikutaro. In the end, Rockness Monsters win. This was a very uh, comedy-heavy match. Kikutaro doing some cheating as well. Um, really just a lot of fun in this one. Uh, very nice. I-, I admit I was a little bit put off Kikutaro um, when I felt like he didn't maybe... Uh, I just didn't like him at King of Trios, you know, um, so something about it just didn't click the way you thought it would, but uh, he can be very funny, glad he did well here, uh, yeah, good stuff. So we move on to it. the next match, which is a four-way, apparently a body guy fatal four-way match between um, <laughs> Jake Atlas, who I, I think this is the first time I've ever seen the dude, very uh, tiny uh, kind of muscular, flippy dude, from what I could tell. He's pretty cool. Um, Ryan Taylor, the former Fightin' Taylor Boys, who is the guy, I think, uh, I personally was a big fan of the Fightin' Taylor Boys back in PWG. I hadn't seen him in a hundred years either, so he was here, and that dude is shredded now. Um, wait, 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 wait. Which go- dude? Ryan Taylor? Ryan Taylor. I didn't even know Ryan Taylor was a human that was known to anyone. So cool, awesome. That's actually... News to me. Very nice. Yes, uh, I remember him. He was he was a member of the Fighting Taylor Boys, correct? The old uh, PWG oh, tag team. Oh, the... man. Well, that's that's too far back for me. I can't even think of that. But um... Yes, that was that would have been back when it was Ryan Taylor, Chuck Taylor, and, and Brian, Brian Cage, Taylor. Cage Taylor. Yeah, yes. oh, my God. Wow. So, that's uh, an unknown Brian Cage, to me. Uh-huh. Brian Cage also in this match because you can't have a body guy match without – uh, Brian Cage, Naturally. and of course the ultimate body guy rounding out this trio is n- or rounding out this team. This match is none other than Dan Barry, the ultimate <laughs> body guy. Of and, uh, this match was, you know, a lot of fun. Very hectic stuff in this match. A lot of guys doing some big heavy things. Uh, Jake Atlas, I think, uh, really stood out in this match for a guy that I didn't know coming into this match. Really impressed me. Super athletic. Super fun. Just really exciting to watch all the way through. Ryan Taylor. Um, also another treat to watch. Was not expecting to basically see him ever again. Same with that uh, Brandon Cutler. Um, <laughs> so seeing him show up here, throw some nice kicks. And like I, like I said, you might need to just go back and watch this match in particular just to see this dude is like – He's not necessarily Pac wide. He's not necessarily Pac stocky, but he is Pac shredded. This dude is like an eight pack, ten pack. It's kind of scary to look at, but yeah, yeah, that dude is in in shape for sure. Um, I'm pretty sure he was on um, the uh, the show you didn't watch that I did watch, but I didn't notice anybody that incredibly shredded. So maybe just have to keep a close eye out for that. Hmm, maybe. But uh, Dan Barry just. 
absolutely – Dan Barry might be one of my favorite wrestlers to watch in general. That dude is yeah. just – he's – I enjoy his work immensely. Um, he's not necessarily a super technical dude, um, but I think he does a lot of things well in the ring, and he's just kind of has that – the sense of humor that I enjoy in wrestling. Um, there was at one point – I don't remember how it goes, but he like – he gets knocked down by a big blow, like he's trying to like posture, like he's really strong. Uh, he gets like knocked down immediately by a shoulder tacker, tackle, like is wincing in pain, and then immediately gets up and walks away and tags out, like, nope, not dealing with this. That hurt too much. You can come and fight this guy instead. It was a four corner. Um, it was four corners, but it was one fall, uh, fatal four way match sort of thing. So kind of weird stipulation here. Uh, two guys in the ring, they got to tag out. Uh, here and there to you know make the other people legal. Uh, Dan Barry just 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 a treat to watch in general was a treat in this match, but unfortunately, all three of these men had to go up against Brian Cage, who does Brian Cage things and did Brian Cage things in this match, and ends up picking up the victory drilling uh, drilling uh, Dan Barry with the drill claw to pick up the victory here. Um, yeah, this was another really good one, just just for uh, two guys I know I like in Brian Cage and Dan Barry, two guys I didn't really think I knew anything about in Ryan Taylor and Jake Atlas, who happened to also turn out to be really, really good in this match. So of uh, this is probably the match I would most suggest to go watch. It'd be Brian Cage, Dan Barry, Ryan Taylor, and Jake Atlas, uh, this four-way match. Good stuff. Really good stuff in that one. Very nice. I actually had no idea you felt that way about Dan Barry. I always thought he was fine, but whenever I have seen him, I like. I wish Bill Carr was also here, so maybe I need to give him more of a chance on his own, because um, I do like him. I just uh, I just never thought of him in those uh, terms that you were talking about, so I'll, I'll have to give him another look. Yeah, it's definitely like... Yeah, like if you were asking me to like make a top ten wrestlers or a top fifteen, top twenty, whatever, I don't necessarily know if I would put Dan Barry in that conversation like the first time around. Like if I was just kind of making the list off the top of my head, but just you know between his tag team work, between you know some of the single stuff that I've seen him do, like when he's in uh, the sort of private investigator gimmick, like I don't know, there's just something about him that is really fun, is really entertaining. Um, though also yes. Every time I do see him, I also wish Bill Carr was there because Bill Carr is also very much a treat. But um, in general, I just I love t- Team Tremendous. Love both guys individually. Love them as a team, and just I don't know. They're just really fun to watch every time they do basically anything, except for that time Dan Barry turned on him, and that broke my heart. That just absolutely devastated me at that Beyond Wrestling show. I was furious, and I'm still. Harbor a little bit of a grudge. Harbor a little bit of a little bit of anger towards Dan Barry for that. But um, moving on, uh, we've got another four matches on this show, reaching basically the halfway point or so. Uh, the next match is a very interesting one uh, on paper for sure because it is Darby Allen and Priscilla Kelly taking on Doomfly, Delilah Doom, and Eli Everfly. Um, this is, I think, one of the first or few times I've ever actually seen Darby Allen. I've heard a lot about him, and I think this was the first time I've actually uh, planted my eyes on and watched the dude wrestle. Um, he's got very interesting gear. Um, he's got, like, tights that he wears, like, sh- black denim shorts over. 
which was uh, a fashion choice to be sure. Um, <laughs> got the, like the half face paint on, which is actually a really cool look. He he looks good from the waist up, and then from the waist down, he loses me. I'm sorry. It's just, <laughs> just how it goes for you, Darby Allen. Cool on top, not so much uh, underneath. Uh, teaming with Priscilla Kelly, who I think she's the one who started picking up uh, kind of like the gross gimmick. I think she did something with like sure. a tampon a few yeah, shows back. Yeah, I think a, that sounds right. Uh, the vomit thing recently, I think as well. I didn't quite see as many details on that one because I was like, no, I'm not going to do that to myself. But <laughs> I do believe that's her because she was kind of gross in this match as well. Um, to me, this match was really good when it was focusing on Darby Allen and Eli Everfly doing some, you know, high flying things. Uh, Darby Allen, really a crisp high-flying wrestler. He's kind of got a devil-may-care attitude in the ring. He did, like, a backwards-diving, like, rolling, like, senton that just kind of... He gave off the general impression during the move. He was like, okay, I'm just gonna kind of blindly go into this, and it, it just worked. Something about him clicked for me here. This was a really uh, interesting sight into Darby Allen. Uh, he and Eli, I think, will make a really good pairing, and hopefully we'll see more of them against one another, because I think they bring out, um, at least in this match, they brought out some good work with one another. But um, there's something I'd actually seen on Twitter. Apparently, at one point late in this match, Delilah Doom essentially, seemingly, kind of accidentally clocks Priscilla Kelly in the face with an elbow during an exchange. Um, This essentially busts up Priscilla Kelly, who uh, later in this match basically just starts running at her and just starts wailing away on her in a way that was very clearly not, you know, scripted or planned out. Oh, Jesus. Um, yes, so eventually Doomfly picks up the victory in what was mostly a really fun match, but um, afterwards, I guess uh, Priscilla Kelly and Delilah Doom still have issues with one another, and Priscilla Kelly, like, the two of them just keep trying to fight with one another, Priscilla Kelly keeps running in, everybody just keeps trying to break it up, um, even a little bit of kayfabe breaking afterwards, because during the match, the two teams basically seemed to just not be, you know, very friendly at all. Didn't really seem to have any care for one another. But uh, after the match, especially after all this happened, uh, Darby Allen basically had to like get Doomfly together, and I'm assuming was like apologizing or telling everybody to calm down or something. But yeah, it was a very weird sight to behold. I saw the uh, shot on Twitter, and then the two of them fighting on a Twitter and a GIF prior to this match. Um, I didn't actually realize it was this match in particular. I don't know, just uh, I'd forgotten about it until it happened. And it was like, oh, yes, I guess this is a thing that happened. So pretty solid match that I felt could have been better had there not been that weird animosity towards the uh, latter half of the match between the two ladies. Um, uh, my, my real big takeaway is uh, really like uh, Darby Allen from this uh, one little thing I've seen of him, and I think... I would like to see more uh, Darby Allen versus Eli Everfly in particular. Uh, sure. Really unfortunate about all that other stuff. I don't really know what to make of it. Uh, I'm a big fan of Delilah Doom. Don't really know Priscilla Kelly. Hope that uh, everything is worked out professionally in the end. Um, Eli Everfly and Doomfly in general, I have been very clear. It's one of my favorite things ever. And, uh, yeah, I've really become a big fan of Darby Allen. seen him a few times now. Recently watched uh, a match he had with Walter that, honestly, I think uh, was one of the best matches of 2018. I, I only saw it Ooh. just a couple days ago, but it was really 
really phenomenal. Uh, and it really turned me on to what Darby Allen can do. Reminds me a little of maybe like a young Jimmy Jacobs or something in his willingness ah. to uh, kind of get beat up and uh, really, I don't know, just uh, maybe that's kind of similar energy. I think uh, there's a lot of good stuff that he could do. So, yeah, cool. Very excited for that. Yeah, that sounds you know, when you get, when anybody gets compared to Jimmy Jacobs, I think that's pretty uh, yeah, it's a pretty yeah. high bar there. So For that sure. sounds uh, definitely a vote of confidence. The following match, uh, maybe actually it was my second favorite match on this whole show. Um, it was a uh, fatal four way women's match: uh, Ruby Rays, uh, Nicole Savoy, Heather Monroe, and Katarina. Uh, what is the rest of her? It's Katarina Lay. What does she used to go? She went by Winter. Um, oh, in uh, yeah, what was she called? Katie Lee, I think. Katie Lee, that Katie Lee Virtual. Yeah. That's what the name. <laughs> Forgetting. So this is a uh, four-way women's match, sort of a straight-up uh, uh, fatal four-way. None of the weird tagging things. Um, this was also a very fun one. Um, all four uh, ladies out here kind of really going simultaneously balls to the wall and a little bit goofy in their uh, <laughs> in their actions. At one point, there was. I think it was Heather Monroe was uh, on the shoulders of Katarina, and Nicole Savoy was on the shoulders of Ruby Rays, both in uh, electric chairs, and they started playing uh, chicken in, against one another in the middle of the ring, which led to some fun, silly spots, and eventually everybody goes down. Um, the match actually started with basically all four women doing various poses, trying to get the audience behind them, and the only one who didn't uh, was Katarina Lay, who got booed, and oh. she to leave the ring and it was very it was just just sort of silly um a really fun match i really really i just think all four women did a great job katarina i've always really enjoyed she did really well here um ruby rays big girl um just a really sort of powerful sort of wrestler i thought she looked really uh, good here um nicole savoy i'm just smitten by she's just got this really fun <laughs> energy to her she's got some pretty solid kicking ability as well um i think she's um i think I, I remember seeing her at least once maybe twice before here on the global revolution yeah. um and yeah she was really good in this match she did uh she i don't know she's just got a really cool energy about her she's kind of very laid back but also like kind of reminds me of matt riddle a little bit <laughs> in a way where she's kind of got that you know kind of laid back attitude she's kind of cool about everything but she can also flip that switch and absolutely murder you with a few of these kicks in this match. So got that going for her, which was cool. But Heather Monroe, someone who I hadn't really thought a whole lot of, you know, before this match in any way, uh, one member of the killer Bays tag team who we've seen a few times in a uh, bar wrestling, never just never really clicked with me, never really did anything uh, for me. But in this match, really, I think turned it on, had a really uh, good performance and ends up winning the match. After a couple of Michinoku drivers, that looked pretty solid. So, good Fatal 4-Way here. Maybe my second favorite match on this card uh, in the midnight hour. That was a good one. Uh, really enjoyed seeing all four of these ladies here. They killed it in this match, and it was just a really good time. Very nice. Uh, big fan of Ruby Rays. Big fan of Katarina Lay. Uh, I like Nicole Savoy when I've seen her. Maybe need to see her more to appreciate her on the level that you do. Uh, Heather Monroe, I, I, I'm, I'm with you on her past appearances. I haven't really been that big of a fan, but, you know, I'm, I'm all for somebody who is, uh, you know, improving, getting better, or trying something different, or any of that. So so good on her. 
We've got uh, two more matches to follow this up on this uh, In the Midnight Hour card. The first one is Tommy Dreamer making a rare uh, bar wrestling appearance to take on Willie Mack uh, in a match that eventually becomes for the House of Hardcore TV title. Um, I don't really know how I feel about this match because it was all right. Uh, Willie Mack's going to do Willie Mack things. Tommy Dreamer's going to do Tommy Dreamer things. I don't quite know how well that uh, meshes together. Um, match really started taking off. They started doing... Um, and then Mack basically just hit stunner after stunner after stunner on Tommy Dreamer as he continuously refused to go down, being bounced off the ropes for leverage. <laughs> um, eventually, Willie Mack does win, hits stunner. Um, I did not really have a whole lot to say about this match because, I don't know, it's, it, it's Tommy Dreamer in... 2019, 2018. Um, he's all right sporadically, but uh, this match, I don't know, just did not do it for me. Um, much better uses of Willie Mack at this point, you know, having seen him in <laughs> Dragon Gate, Lucha Underground, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Um, he, he brings a lot to the table, and I don't think this was the best way to go about it, unfortunately. And yeah, that's, uh, that's all I <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. Uh, huge fan of Willie Mack. Tommy Dreamer could be good uh, once in a blue moon, yeah, in the modern day, maybe. But um, can definitely see this one not being super necessary. Yeah, I mean, they, they, there was some minor hardcore stuff because I guess it was for a House of Hardcore title and the ref just kind of let some of the chair stuff go. But I don't know, this one was not a match that... Uh, held my attention or captured my imagination in any sort of way, it was at best, alright. Fair enough. And that's going to take us to the main event of this show, um, sort of the big match during the countdown to midnight. It was a uh, three-way tag team match. One side, you had uh, P.P. Ray, Ray Roses, and Peter Avalon, um, just who have been uh, killing it, I think, uh, in bar wrestling and the other places they're seen. I really like them. Um, taking on the team of Colt Cabana, Joey Ryan, definitely a team, and also definitely a team, Session Moth Martina and Gentleman Jervis Cottonbelly. <laughs> and yes, um, considering all of these participants, this match goes pretty much exactly how you expect it to go. There's a lot of comedy there's a lot of Session Moth being gross. There's a lot of Joey Ryan being gross. There's a lot of Joey Ryan being grossed out by Session Moth Martina's grossness, um, which is fun. At one point, there is the, you know, the dick-touching spot where both uh, Joey Ryan and uh, Hulk Cabana attempt to get the their opponents to, you know, do the dick-flip suplex, whatever it's called. Joey Ryan... Uh, I don't remember who Joey Ryan gets. It might have been one of the P.P. Ray guys. But they're, you know, doing the standard, oh, no, I'm, I'm touching Joey Ryan's testicular area, and it really hurts, I guess. Um, Cole Cabana attempts to do the same thing to Session Moth Martina, who apparently has a very strong grip and is also very much into this. So it backfires on Cabana, who is in a lot of pain, a lot of misery, a lot of unhappiness. Um... Halfway through this match, uh, it's uh, it's midnight. Turns midnight. 
on the West Coast. It is now officially the new year in Los Angeles, so everybody kind of stops for a little bit and celebrates and parties and everybody drinks. Um, I think the match kind of quickly comes to an end. Um, yes, PP Ray, I think, like rolled up somebody while the celebrations were going on and picked up the win. And yeah, this match was a hot mess. A good hot mess, but a hot mess. There was a lot of silly things in this match. Um, everybody was having a good time. You could very much tell everybody was having a good time. Everybody pretty much hit sort of their their big uh, their big moves, their big signature silly spots all the way through. Um, in the end, PP Ray win, and everybody is, by the end of this match, kind of drunk, kind of happy, and kind of elated over the new year. So, Yeah. That was in the midnight hour. I'd say two really good matches on the show, two uh, four-way matches that were really good, and a whole bunch of other also fun in their own various ways matches, uh, and a, uh, just a very fun and good way to ring in the new year for 2019. Uh, very nice. It's a very odd collection of talent, to be sure, but uh, I love when somebody will book Jervis Cottonbelly, and uh, that alone makes makes it okay in my book. That's true. That's very true. Nice to see uh, Jervis on this show. I don't. We don't see him enough. I don't think so. Indeed. Nice to nice to get a chance to check him out again. Absolutely. So. All right. Cool. That covers uh, the surprise show that we are covering on here. Surprise <laughs> to me, certainly. As I was saying earlier, um, the first official show that we are covering, and uh, apparently the only one we'll be covering together is. The best city I've ever been to from uh, January 16th. Um, all these can be found on the Bar Wrestling Pivot Chair site, which is a uh, pretty good service. I'm happy with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty cheap, mm-hmm. too. It's like only five or six bucks a month, I think, for some pretty good content. So uh, this match, I will say, is commentated by Kevin Condren and Loud and Noxious, and that is a beautiful thing. I love these two men tremendously. Mm-hmm. All right, so we kick off the event uh, with uh, one guy I've never seen before, but I've been interested to see, considering that uh, he is someone who has been confirmed for All Elite Wrestling. In fact, one of the first people confirmed after the initial slew of, you know, kind of obvious people. Uh, That is Jungle Boy, who is son of actor Luke Perry, in a weird thing. I don't even know how to describe that. Um, <laughs> he is here taking on Ray Rosas, a sexy, sexy Jesus. Himself, indeed. Um, and uh, I don't know about you, um, I don't know, oh, this is a, a very decent match. Uh, I don't know if I have ever been that excited by Ray Rosas, and I'm not sure I was all that won over by Jungle Boy either. He, you know, well, it's kind of a small guy, and he could do some, some solid, uh, high-flying stuff, but nothing that really amazed me, you know, there are so many guys right now who are who are small guys who can really do incredible things uh, in the ring, and yeah, I, I don't know, when, when you're looking at small guys who can do amazing things, I don't know why you would leave Eli Everfly on the table, for example, and take along someone like Jungle Boy, but maybe I need to see more of him. Didn't think it was a bad match, thought it was decent, but uh, that was kind of my thought. My really big takeaway from this match was that I don't. I don't know. It felt. Uh, it wasn't necessarily like actually long, but it felt like they kind of stretched on the finish for a few more 
minutes because I thought they were doing well. They had a nice fast-paced match. Everything was going well, but towards the end, I was like, all right, that's going to be it. No, I guess it's not. We're going to continue, <laughs> and all right, I guess that's it. Oh, no, 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 no. For sure. Yeah, definitely towards the end there. It eventually ends in uh, Ray Rosas hitting um, the Rosas Clash, the Styles Clash, to pick up the uh, victory on Jungle Boy in a match that I'd say was passable and was uh, – Really, definitely, I thought, a lot of fun early on, especially just getting the chance to check out Jungle Boy, who at this point I had never seen before. But uh, ended up stretching on a little bit too long, a little bit unnecessarily, and sort of settled into just being sort of an all right match, a decent match, a solid match. Fair enough. I think we're in agreement. Next match up, okay. Taya Valkyrie taking on Heather Monroe. Uh, huge fan of Taya. Um in this match, I don't know how you felt. Uh, you know, if she did well before, I think this uh, might have been a bit of a step back. Um, I was not that into her in this match. Uh, it was not bad. It it, it was um, just sort of there. I thought even Taya was maybe looking a little off her usual game. Uh, she did a curb stomp right at the end of the match, which really, really didn't look like anything. And I was not, I don't know, I wasn't feeling this one as much. Yeah, that was, see... I honestly kind of had the opposite opinion of Heather Monroe. I thought this only, uh, at least for the most part, uh, sort of solidified my general thoughts of like, oh, I'm enjoying this. You know, I thought she was holding her own up there against Taya Valkyrie. Unfortunately, that curb stomp was uh, not the greatest, and <laughs> I don't know who to pin that on, but it did not uh, did not settle well at all. But uh, for the most part, I this is another match I enjoyed. Um, Heather Monroe, like I said, something I've been, uh, especially after this uh First show that I covered, I watched. Uh, I was really kind of feeling into this match, but uh, Taya Valkyrie is just something else entirely. Damn, is she so good. I don't know. She just uh, she comes across as a star. She works yeah. really well. She's just, um, uh, just, just genuinely might be one of the best uh, women's wrestlers, if not one of the best wrestlers going right now in she terms of being the complete. Indeed, just one of the complete packages, uh, really just competent at everything in the ring. So she was fun to watch here. Um, yeah, the curb stomp was not great in the end. I ended up only kind of being into this match, but for the most part, um, yeah, it, it's Taya Valkyrie doing things and that is always a plus and I'm a little bit more ambivalent towards Heather Monroe now. So that's also a plus, I guess. So yeah, <laughs> sure, I was all right sure. with this. Fair enough. Uh, Taya does get the win in this match. Um, making Heather tap out. And yeah, like you said, big fan of Taya. Uh, even if uh, she looked a little off at times in this match, still a very big fan. Mm -hmm. uh, our next matchup is Luchasaurus taking on Tyler Bateman. And yeah, with Bateman, I don't know if he'll be in luck and maybe he'll get to like stand out more now that uh, he's not really tied up with Brody King uh, or if he's going to kind of be screwed um, and exposed maybe. So I don't know. We'll have to see how he does. Um, what I really have to say is Luchasaurus has gotten pretty darn good at this wrestling thing. Like, there was a time when he was very shaky. And, man, I don't know. He's just – he really does it for me now. Um, Bateman I thought was okay in this, but he was just sort of a warm body for Luchasaurus to do cool things on and around. Um, so, yeah, I, I like this pretty well. It was pretty much all down to Luchasaurus. I thought he was awesome here. Luchasaurus, um, you know how some people say, you know, certain wrestlers or certain athletes are like video game characters come to life? Mm -hmm. 
That's no, that is literally Luchasaurus. Like this dude stands seemingly super tall over everybody he faces. <coughs> like great look, great gear, great tattoos, great everything. Um, and when he wants to do power stuff, he does. He does it really well. But have you seen some of the kicks on this guy? Mm-hmm. Like they might not always like super connect, especially when he's doing those kind of weird uh, fidgety like axe kicks, but. The fact that he's, like, doing them and is, like, I don't know, doing them super fluidly just, like, blows my mind. He's, like, ducking down and doing, like, rising kicks. He's, like, going to throw a super kick, but the guy ducks it, but he, like, stops in midair and redirects his leg the opposite direction to hit him with a roundhouse instead. And you're just – it it for me, at least, it blows me away just, just how – this is just not what I'm expecting from a guy named Luchasaurus who stands as tall as he does and is as bulky as this guy is. Like, mm-hmm. he's just doing really cool stuff. Sometimes that means he kind of ends up just kind of doing cool stuff to get through a match, but it is really flipping cool. So, you know what? That's fine. Um, sometimes that's all you need, and that's what Luchasaurus does really well, and he is just he's a, he's a treat to watch. He's just something really different. Uh, compared to what everybody else brings to the table, he's very unique experience in the ring, and yeah, I've I've been enjoying uh, what I've seen from Luchasaurus. Uh, this match in particular, really, like you said, does come down to him because Tyler Bateman just—I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's if it's because his name is too similar to Tyler Bate. I don't know <laughs> if he—I don't know. They try to sell him as the super dangerous, deadly, like physical guy and he just doesn't look it he doesn't really wrestle it he tries to but it just i don't know it doesn't come across that way so whatever everybody else sees in tyler bait has not really shown itself to me and i just i don't i don't get it he apparently comes really highly regarded i've seen lots of people talk about him positively on uh twitter i know dino winwood of pwg and now uh, new legacy inc fame uh, seems to think very highly of tyler bateman and maybe he's a good guy. Maybe he's like a really crisp and solid, uh, like safe working wrestler. I don't know. Um, more power to him if he is, but just he he does not do it for me. He just does he does not he does not. Yep, I gotta agree. He's got a, a hipster mustache that tries to make him look evil, but yeah, nothing about him is really that violent or that interesting. But and this is a bit of an aside, but it's relevant to our show. Uh, a guy who is like that, but even worse is now the IWGP champion, so what do I know, I guess, about guys who are obviously not threatening in any way, getting huge pushes. Uh, for who doesn't know, Jay I woke White, up this morning. now the IWGP champion, which is baffling to me. IWGP heavyweight, okay, so I was, uh, when we were recording this, it's Monday night. Uh, Monday morning, I actually uh, took a trip to... Uh, Disney World. I live a few hours away from Orlando, so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go have a day to myself. Got this new car. Let's test it out. Let's drive to Orlando. Um, at some point, just I looked on my phone, and everybody was talking about Jay White, but nobody was talking about what Jay White did. They were just talking about Jay White. Like, okay, so what did he do? What What is this about Jay White? A few hours later, I find out. I you know after getting off a few rides and doing a few things, I get on my phone. I find out. The dude won the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. <laughs> Why? What? Why? Okay. Oh, man. It's, 
I, this is going to be a big aside, so I just accept it. <laughs> this is happening for at least a few minutes. Um, Jay White, we've talked extensively about our, our sort of feelings on Jay White and how he has it clicked for us, especially as the Switchblade character, because I know we saw him a few times as, you know, the sort of clean-cut baby face. And I thought there was potential in that. I think he's a really he's, solid he's athlete. Right. He's a... He's a you know, pretty decent wrestler, somebody who can definitely grow into something. Um, then they did the Switchblade thing, and for whatever reason, everybody I know is into it. Really? You know who isn't into it? Like, uh, listen, everybody is like, oh man, Switchblade, Jay White, the knife pervert. I don't know if it's ironic love of the guy. I don't know if it's genuine <laughs> love of the guy. His name was the knife pervert. <laughs> The Knife Pervert, oh. named by, I think it was Trent Moretta who gave him that moniker jokingly on Twitter, and now it's just... And now he's really using it, is that... Oh my God. He, he actually has merchandise that says Knife Pervert on it. Perfect. So even if he's not who actually like... buy that and wear it? Can you imagine if someone... Okay, all right, that's, that's a different thing for me. That's different from my <laughs> fandom. That's not in my world anymore. <laughs> Indeed, but like I just like everybody loves the dude, and I don't get it, Miss Fan. I don't get it. It's baffling. I, it like ah, uh, I just and now is the IWGP World the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. The IWGP Heavyweight Champion is the Switchblade Jay White. I, I, I don't know. I don't see it. I don't I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't agree with it at all. Um, and I'm not even a big New Japan fan, so it's not like I can really get offended on that level. But still, just, just – I don't see it. I don't get it. What has Jay White actually done, especially as the Switchblade character, to have earned or deserved like the massive amount of love that he gets because I'm just not – doesn't click for me. I don't. The gimmick feels completely uh, mis miscast on him. Um, like his wrestling is all right, but it's never it's never been anything that super blows me away. Especially as the Switchblade character, just I don't I don't I don't see it. Um, he did have the fun exchange in that Okada match from Wrestle Kingdom, but that match even then was still for me at least very much all about Okada in the face roll and everybody's showing him a whole bunch of love. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I'm not in support of this. And that was uh, news. I was genuinely not expecting to see and quite honestly, didn't really quite want to see. I'm not a super huge uh, new Japan dude, but that's just, yeah, I, I don't love sitting down for three hours to watch their main event match, but, uh, you know, I want them to do well still, and this just seems like a huge, to me, it seems like a huge misstep, because, yeah, Jay White is, like, just this totally non-threatening, like you said, just feels very miscast in this role. Like, he's supposed to be a scary, threatening guy, and he, I don't know, nothing about him does any indication of that for me. You know, to me, he looks like a... An emo kid who's trying to like try out his um, scary ideas, you know. I don't know. Yeah, he found his dad's knife collection and he was like, Ooh, boy, this is really cool. I'm gonna, you know, 
make this my entire personality now, despite having no experience in using knives, is how yeah, this comes yeah. across. And also, like, uh, he doesn't use a knife anyway, does he? Like, maybe that's just ignorant on my part, but, like, he's not knifing people in matches or anything. He doesn't bring a knife to use, does he? Like, if he did, that would be worse almost. That would just be really weird and not New Japanish. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm exposing my ignorance now, um, so I'll just stop with that. But yeah, Jay White does nothing for me, and uh, I think even if you're a fan of this guy, I don't know. I feel like you'd have to admit this feels way too soon, so I don't know. I don't know if maybe Gato uh, is smarter than us all, and he'll figure something out, but uh, yeah, I don't know about that. See. At all, but uh, <laughs> yeah, sure, maybe. I, the possibility open. It, it it genuinely feels a little bit like you know, okay, Kenny Omega left Kenny Omega signed officially with AEW, and now we need to um, maybe have another big, potentially not even big. He's not even a big name. It's Jay White. It's not like uh, I don't I don't know. It just feels like they were attempting to replace Kenny Omega in the company with. Jay White, and as much as I do not enjoy Kenny Omega matches, um, that's apples and oranges at this point. Apples and blueberries, even. I don't know. I just, I don't... <sighs> I am... I don't yeah. get it. Sorry. I just don't. And I doubly don't get it because, by all reports, Kenny Omega worked it into his contract that he can still work New Japan as much as he wants, like, regardless of the you know, Ring of Honor, New Japan, whatever, you know, whatever that baloney is. Um, so, I don't know. I'm not even a huge Kenny Omega fan, but if you still have access to Kenny Omega, why would you rush to push a guy like Jay White into his spot? It just seems just seems like a terrible idea to me, but I guess, uh, I guess we'll see what happens. I guess we will see what happens, but uh, back to Tyler Bateman. Yes. yes. Uh, very much he's a similar like that, boat but- to actually a little better so <laughs> because he's not winning iwgp heavyweight championships yes, he positioned as the, the leader of the bullet club i yeah. guess god uh, anyway back to the rest of this card all right but yeah speaking of disappointing wins bateman wins this match uh kind of out of nowhere with a very average clothesline and that that didn't make me happy so no 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 it wasn't yeah. even an average clothesline here's what he he wins the match off of this move called death from above which is supposed to be, I guess, some sort of, like, he stands over the his opponent and hits him with, like, an elbow strike, um, which is fine. But here, he did it on, like, Luchasaurus while Luchasaurus was laying down. So it just kind of looked like he, f- like, fell on top of Luchasaurus and clobbered him in the chest with a forearm. And then immediately pinned him and won the match. I, n- no. No, 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 no. This is Luchasaurus. He's half luchador, half dinosaur. He is, he's the man who comes to tell us that life will find a way, and he lost to that? Yeah. No. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Tyler Bateman, you're... Eh. That's... No. No, 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 no. That's not how we win matches in professional wrestling in, in, in 2019. I'm sorry. It's just not. It was... This match was all right because Luchasaurus was in it and doing cool Luchasaurus things. Then Tyler Bateman won like that, and it was not necessarily all out the window, but God, just that sucked. That sucked. That finish sucked. I'm sorry. It just did. Ugh. Yeah, not a good finish. I agree. A bit disappointing. Um, but the good news is we have Doomfly up next, and that is the best possible news anyone can have. 
Next match is Doomfly taking on, um, well, I forget what this team is called, but it's Tessa Blanchard and Daga. Um, and uh, maybe this is the time that Daga will finally impress me. Well, no, not really. He was about the same, as always. I, I still find I don't know. I actually match. enjoyed Daga a lot in this match. Maybe <laughs> I, that was partially because... I enjoyed this match a lot, um, but I guess Daga is still lost on me. I don't know. It just... Uh, I, I thought he was kind of the fourth guy trailing along behind, but man, everybody else I thought was awesome in this. This is one of my favorite matches, definitely, that we watched, and uh, I had a really tremendous time with this one. Yeah, other than some weird awkwardness in the beginning between Delilah Doom and Tessa Blanchard, where they kept trying to, like, do, I guess, a, a rope-running sequence, and I guess one or two of them was, like, mistimed or miscommunicated or something, um... They just kind of kept going back and forth, and nobody quite knew what they were supposed to do. Once they got that out of the way, once they sort of worked past that, then the match just became really hectic and really fun, I thought. Um, Eli Everfly is doing, you know, Eli Everfly things. Delilah Doom is doing Delilah Doom things, which for us means a lot of fun, just out there, flying stuff. Um, like I said, I thought Daga looked particularly good in this match, showing off a little bit of power, showing off his speed. Um I don't know, this felt really more fitting to him than what we've seen, especially out of Lucha Underground. Um, yeah, I was into this. Tessa Blanchard also just looking great. Um, yeah, this was just, I thought at least, four really solid and game participants in this match, really just bringing out the best in one another. Lots of high flying here, you know, to be expected. Um, the match actually ends in a Blanchard and Daga actually picking up the victory here, um, and the, the kind of the big reason I'm actually kind of sold on Daga was because he did like some sort of weird like scoop slam, like flipped up and spun into a backbreaker, which was yeah I don't know that blew my mind. I was not expecting that. That was cool to see. Um, yeah, this was I thought a really fun match. Everybody I thought looked good, and I was all about this one. Good stuff. Yep, yep. Great match. And I want to be clear. I don't dislike Daga. You know, I think he's fine. He does some things well. Uh, you just, the hype around him is like, oh, Daga, he's like the great undiscovered luchador of the world today. He's like the top, top guy if only people would recognize. And I, I guess I just don't see that. You know, he, he does fine. He does well. He just uh, doesn't really uh, blow me away ever. So. Mm -hmm. um, all right, next match up. We have uh, the Machine, Brian Cage, taking on PJ Black in a little Lucha Underground-flavored match here. Uh, I thought this was pretty good, but I also didn't write down a lot of specific things about it, so it was just kind of maybe a bit generically good. Uh, I like Cage. PJ Black, he's all right. He's pretty good. Um, yeah, maybe not a lot to say about this, but it was good overall, I thought. Yes, indeed. I very much kind of uh, echo your sentiments here. Um this was this was good, but in sort of the sort of all right passing sort of fashion. It wasn't really like breathtaking, didn't really blow you away. Um, there wasn't really too many incredible spots to really talk about or anything like that. This was just a good match, um, which is kind of be you know to be expected for the bare minimum for guys like PJ Black and Brian Cage. Went out there, they performed, they did a, a pretty all right job. There was a little bit of a storytelling sort of element with a PJ Black trying to do some moonsaults. Like the first time he sort of fails and Brian Cage like catches him and slams him down. And he manages to hit one uh, later in the match and then does a third one. 
options and a uh, reverse DDT for PJ Black. So that was, I guess, the one running thread in this match. Brian Cage ends up, if I recall correctly, picking up the victory. Of course. Like, takes out, you know, takes down uh, PJ Black, hits him with a buckle bomb, and then hits a spinning power bomb to win. This was all right. This was good, but uh, nothing super amazing to uh, write home about. Still, a very fun time, very good match in uh, in that sort of regard. Yep, yep, absolutely so. Uh, that takes us to the main event of our show, which is SCU, for whom the show is named, taking on uh, Eric Watts and, uh, well, I'll still call them the Rock Nest Monsters, because that's what they are to me. Johnny Yuma and formerly Johnny Goodtime, Kevin Martinson. Um, and I gotta say, I, I've watched some old PWG, and I've liked the Rock Nest Monsters. I don't know if I like them as much in their current incarnation, and I don't know, it's just something about them. Like, they're, they're alright, but I, I don't know. Do you know what I'm talking about at all? Do you have any sort of same feeling, or are you still the same kind of fan for them? I, it's very weird, because I like the Rockness Monsters. Right. As wrestlers, I still think they're very uh, fun. Like, in the ring, they're fine, but... Right. Something like, and I even like the gimmick potentially. I haven't actually seen it too much in action, actually, but uh, the general idea of space cops, you know, that 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 could play uh, pretty decently in in some feds. You know, work with that. That could be some pretty good. Something about the gear and the look, yeah, feels off-putting to me. I don't know what it is. Um, I think it's specifically Yuma because he's got kind of the shorter hair. And he's got like the kind of like a, it's almost like a baggy shirt he's sort of wearing um, on top, like a long sleeve kind of baggy shirt. Like something about that just I don't know. Like I get it. It's for the gimmick. But something about that just I, I, I don't know. It kind of puts me at just a slight pause when watching them. And I can't quite explain why, because they're still as charismatic as ever. They still have as many uh, fun and kind of different tag team moves as ever. You know, there's, there's still the rock nest monsters, but right. something about the way they're presented right now, especially in uh, what we've seen from bar wrestling was just, I don't know. There's just something that's kind of off about it. And it kind of skews everything off for the team as well. Like maybe a little haphazard or half hearted or something. I don't know. Um, it's just, uh, like, yeah, we're the Rock Nest Monsters, I guess, but, like, I'm not Johnny Goodtime. I'm just, like, this guy. Maybe, no, but, that's, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. That's what it is. It's the Rock Nest Monsters, but it's it's no longer Johnny Yuma. It's just Yuma, which is fine, um, I guess. But it's no longer Johnny Goodtime. It's Kevin Martinson or Big Hunky Kev or whatever he's you know, yeah. going by now. Feels like he's got and, one foot in and one foot out sometimes. I don't know. Yes, yeah. I think that's what. Uh, I think that's part of where you know, other than just the gear and the way it's presented. That's I think the really big reason, especially here. Like, there's just a, a disconnect um, with everything. Like, I, the way I remember the Rock Nest Monsters, you know, very much you know, matching gear, kind of matching names, Johnny Yuma, Johnny Goodtime. Um, there was a continuity there that they had. Um, that they just, they're kind of lacking right now. That just doesn't really quite feel like, you know, the Rock Ness Monsters. So that's mm-hmm. just, it's a bit off. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if they're singles guys elsewhere. I don't know if, I, I genuinely have no clue and I'm not, it, it, it just feels off. It just feels wrong somehow. And I yeah. think that's, 
It's definitely what I experienced as well, and it sounds like that's probably what you experienced, yeah, too. Yeah, we put our finger on it a little bit more here. Oh. Um, so, yeah, they're in this, and uh, they do some things well. I don't know. Eric Watts is there. I, I always like Eric Watts. Um, I think he put in a good effort here. Uh, I'll just say this match was a bit of a letdown for me. Um, just for the fact that it felt really long, even before we got into kind of like the end stuff with – uh, Joey Ryan shows up, the Elite show up, and all that stuff, and that uh, that was kind of hit or miss for me. And even before that, the match just felt really long, and like maybe without enough for me going on to really draw me in. So it was a little bit of a letdown for me. You know, I like I- Christopher Daniels. You know, I like SCU more or less. Um, but this, yeah, this one wasn't as much for me. And I don't know if you had this problem, but I certainly did. I think they had like two audio tracks playing yeah during this it was a little match. weird towards the beginning especially yeah i kind of noticed it like the match started but then i could hear like the ring announcements faintly like running again in the background so that that was a little odd i don't know what happened there yeah that was that was weird the match itself like i i don't know this match kind of brought eric watts down for me this brought this match brought everybody a little <laughs> bit down for me like you could kind of tell everybody was trying but i don't know if it was something with timing i don't know uh, what it was, but yeah, like you it's said, this match felt long to yeah. begin with. And that's before you got into all the extracurricular activities that ended up occurring. Um, there was like apparently some sort of feud between uh, Scorpio Sky and Eric Watts because they used to be a tag team, but now the SCU is a thing, so that's where Scorpio Sky's allegiances lie. But like they went with that, but they didn't go like whole hog with that sort of thing yeah. i felt like like there was more they could have like raked out of that that they didn't i felt in this match um and there was another thing where eric Watts was apparently like getting really pissed off and really angry and taking everybody out but that didn't feel authentic either that felt kind of weird um i genuinely have no idea what was going on in this match because you know i really like christopher daniels i enjoy frankie kazarian uh, Eric Watts has been, you know, I've seen him a few times. He looks like he has a lot of potential. The Rockness Monsters, um, even in their more weird state, I still think are a lot of fun. But I don't know what happened in this match. I really don't. And once again, that was even before we got into uh, Eric Watts is like taking out both referees. Or one referee got taken out by the Rockness Monsters on accident. Um, a second referee like wouldn't count Eric Watts's pin or something. So Eric Watts got pissed and choke slammed him and then I, I don't know if you like noticed this at all but loud and noxious was pissed off really? during this whole thing like huh. i don't know if you heard him but he was like livid screaming about how you know they took out the he took out the authority in this match we have no law and order you can't do that that's our referee you can't just choke slam our referee he dropped like an f-bomb during this like rant, <laughs> might, have, Eric... might have been having a couple of drinks himself. Yeah, that's that. what I thought. So not, <laughs> not like that's a knock against it, Gavin, yeah. but it was like, oh, that man just dropped the f bomb. My heart has shattered into a million <laughs> oh, pieces. Gavin, okay. how could you do this? He's a grown up. Um, he can do it if he wants to. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't even person. think of that because I just always Loudon always kind of just like throws freeform enthusiasm at everything that's happening, and I'm I'm all about that. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's a little different in this one once again like i just 
He dropped the F bomb. That's all. That's like the only thing I could take away from that. Was like, oh, he's really selling the hell out of this angle. But also, he just, Gavin, how could you, Gavin loudspeaker? No. Um, and then, uh, like Joey Ryan came out, and because Eric Watts was about to use a chair, and he stopped him from using it, and then, like, he got punched. But then Adam Page showed up, and um, I will say I actually enjoyed the double dick flip spot between uh, Joey Ryan and Adam Page, both flipping Eric Watts. Like, if that had been the end of it, like, if everything had sort of coalesced back into, like, a regular match, I'd have been like, okay, you know what? Fine. That's cool. You know, they had this rivalry with the All Elite stuff, or the All In stuff, and now they're coming together to, like, shape up um, uh, bar wrestling. That's fine. That would have been cool. The Rockness Monsters attack them, and then Cody and Brandy come out, and they uh, fin them off a little bit, uh, and then they're kind of celebrating together as the fans go wild, and then Eric Watts gets back up and beats them up, and, you know, looks like he's about to threaten Brandy to do some sort of physical harm to her when the Young Bucks show up, and they posture and pose, and then, you know, they try to fend him off, and Rick Knox, who was the original referee, I believe, like, got knocked down, comes back up. Um, they do a triple super kick spot with them. and Yeah, tying into all the Rick Knox, PWG, Young Bucks stuff that has happened over the years, which is a nice bit of connectivity. I'll give credit for that. Like, genuinely, they were, like, if it had been um, the Adam Page and Joey Ryan thing only, would have been fine with it. If it <laughs> I, didn't, been the... I, I didn't like the dick flip stuff, but I that never was, do. Was... Um, I don't know. I mean, it, I... it was just a lot. Um, and, you know, it's very over the crowd. And I like it insofar as I like AEW doing, like, kind of these smaller things where they show up unexpectedly. And, you know, so it's all good, I guess, for if you're just sitting around waiting for the elite to show up. But, yeah, there was not – it wasn't necessarily for me. So I, I get yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, it, this certainly wasn't for me. But, like I said, if it had just been – the double dick flip would have been fine with it. Or if it had just been the Young Bucks, Rick Knox, triple super kick, I would have been fine with it. Like if, if either one of those two things had been like the only thing that had occurred, I'd have been like, okay, this works. You know, this can, you know, go well for the match. That's fine. But they included all of those things and the Cody thing. And it was just like, are you kidding me? This match already felt like it was dragging to begin with. Now we have to put up with, this and still like the second audio track that's playing in the background. I don't understand what's happening here. Losing my mind during this whole entire thing. In the end, SCU wins. There's a best moonsault ever, like tombstone pile driver combination to finally pick up the victory. And literally the moment uh, Scorpio Sky started getting on the microphone and made it clear that we were still going to have more to do. I turned off the show. I'm sorry. I just I wasn't going to sit there. And endure whatever came next with all of the men. Sorry. Well, I Wasn't can't that. blame you. I kind of skimmed through it, and it was just pretty much what you would expect it would be. So uh, we won't talk too much about that. Um, not not my favorite kind of way to end the show. But uh, overall, a fun show, I think. Definitely a few matches worth checking out. Particularly that Doomfly, Blanchard, Daga match. That That's definitely the crown jewel of this one, I think. So good stuff. Uh, all right, yeah, briefly go through the show that I saw that you uh, were not able to check out. A little miscommunication there, so uh, our bad on that. But, yeah, you get three shows for the price of two. Uh, this show, four touchdowns in a single game, I believe referencing the fact that they were uh, very close to the Super Bowl uh, when they aired this show yes. on the 31st of January. And, of course, 
Married with Children. If anyone remembers that. Um, I had a good time with that show back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, on this show, we have no Kevin Condren, which was sad. We did have Loud and Noxious, which was nice. Uh, you know, one of the two people that uh, that are must-haves for bar wrestling for me. Opening match of the show, Worldwide Underground pairing of Ty Valkyrie and PJ Black. Taking on the team of Diamante and Max Stardom, um, who I had never seen before, but did really well. Uh, I also thought Diamante, who I think I've only seen once before, looked much better here than uh, the first time I saw her. She she really looked awesome in this match. So uh, you've got Taya, who's great. You've got PJ Black, who's always solid. Diamante and Max Stardom making a good impact. Uh, yeah, that really, really good match here. I, I was a big fan of the, this to start off the show. Um, Worldwide Underground does pick up the win, but uh, I think everybody was very impressed with Diamante and Max Stardom, who are apparently brother and sister also, so uh, that's that's Ooh. one thing to kind of look at. They talked about, hey, we never had a brother-sister team before. We've had all these other teams, but here we go. So, yeah, very cool. Ooh, that's, that's cool. I definitely want to – I've – heard nothing about either one. I think Diamante is currently in uh, uh, LAX, if I remember correctly, or was in Sounds LAX, right. or yeah. <laughs> something like that. Uh, Max Stardom, literally a name that means nothing to me. Never heard it before, but really cool to hear that they apparently you know, showed up and did some good work. That's always uh, nice to hear, so cool, sweet. Yeah, yeah, very nice. One thing that annoyed me a little um, is they did, do you remember Ty and PJ Black, I think it was against Doomfly, did this, like, double-team spot where, like, you put one guy in a gory bomb and one in a pendulum, and then Ty, like, lies on the floor and, like, bats the head of the guy in the... Do you remember yes. what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yes, so I do. So you and I remember this, but Loud and Noxious and What's-His-Name that they bring in when Condren's not there, they swore up and down that they have never seen this move before, and they couldn't shut up about it. And I'm like, guys... I'm sure at least one of you was there, so you know, okay. maybe put I down actually have, drink. <laughs> I have another thing to say about that, because okay. this is a very similar thing happened on the last show. So <laughs> uh, remember the four the from the first show, the absolute first show that I covered? Yeah. That four-way women's match. Right. Well, Heather, one of Heather Monroe's like, big moves is apparently the Michinoku driver. Right. Like, that's just that's one of her uh, big pet moves. And once again, Loudon was like the announcer for this show. So we flash back to the last show, the previous uh, show, um, where she was taking on Taya, uh-huh. and she hit a Michinoku driver in that match as well. <laughs> and Gavin, or Loudon, swore up and down. is like, I have never seen Heather Monroe do a Michinoku driver. I didn't know that was part of her, <laughs> you know, playbook. It's like, she just did like she did like three of them in the last show. It wasn't like she did one. She did like three or four of them in the last show trying to pick up that victory. She hit it to win the match, if I recall. How did you not see her? How is this like mind blowing to you? These guys really must be. I mean, it is bar wrestling, so who knows how <laughs> great everybody's memory is functioning at any given event. So yes. I guess that's uh, understandable. But still, it was like. Yes, this happened. I don't know how you missed that. <laughs> Literally occurred the last show. Oh man. Yep, yep. Maybe uh, a little too much of the uh, the bar wrestling spirit going on there. So that's that's a great shout as well. Mm-hmm. On this show, for our next match is Brian Cage taking on Jake Atlas one on one. This was my first time seeing Jake Atlas. 
Uh, I thought he did pretty well here. They talked about how he is a former gymnast, and I thought it kind of showed sometimes, and not always in the best way, but generally I uh, I liked what he could do. Very agile, has some nice strong kicks, uh, decent look. Uh, yeah, uh, Brian Cage gets the win here in a pretty fun, albeit uh, maybe a little bit sloppy match, but still, I liked it overall. Mm-hmm. Apparently I'm reading on here that uh, Brian Cage, unfortunately, won with the Weapon X um so <laughs> i didn't even note that down i'm sure it was bad and i'm sure that's part of why i said it was sloppy um i wish oh, he would never do that move again he has once again i think we've said this before but the dude has like ten thousand moves they're all really good looking <laughs> and one that is not and it's the weapon x and he uses that move like it's, all the time it's to win his match. worst looking move in the entire yeah yeah right. it's not good it's not good um next match after that we have kira hogan Taking on Heather Monroe, Kerrigan, uh, someone else I think I'm seeing for the first time. Um, her hair is very striking. If you haven't seen it, it is very big and uh, bright and multicolored, if I remember right. Yeah, with the red and the Ooh. yellow. I assume because her last name is Hogan. Um, yeah, uh, this match, yeah, I don't know if I thought that much of this here because, again, I just wasn't getting into Heather Monroe in these matches. Uh, I thought Kira Hogan. Looked better and more interesting, but uh, Heather Monroe did get the win, so there you go. What can you do? Yeah, all right. I guess I don't have much to say because I've never seen uh, Kira Hogan. I'm more uh, all right with uh, Heather Monroe than you are, so I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. It sounds like a thing that happened is basically what I'm saying. So, yeah, I guess. Yay. Fair enough. Boo. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's all good. No worries. <laughs> Uh, after this, we get a four-on-four kind of football-themed match. Um, on the one side, you have Eric Watts, Tyler Bateman, Johnny Yuma, and Kevin Martinson. On the other side, you've got Brandon Cutler, Ray Rosas, Ryan Taylor. Yeah, that, there's where he came in. And uh, Joey Ryan himself. Um, and uh, I was maybe a little biased against this because I remember looking this over and I'm like, mm, I don't, some of these guys, I, I either don't know them or I'm not that into them. Um, but uh, there was some good stuff in here. Um, they they had an actual football, and they did uh, some football spots, and it needed a lot more Mark Angelicetti in it. Um, but that's true of many matches. I was about to say, you could say that about <laughs> almost any match that has ever happened in history, that it could use more Mark Angelicetti, to indeed, be honest. Indeed. Uh, but they did some really good comedy stuff with that that I was into, and then it kind of just descended into the Dick Lollipop stuff and Joey Ryan doing his stuff, and uh, and then I wasn't into it as much. So um, Eric Watts Fair. gets the pin, which is cool, because uh, I actually do like Eric Watts, even though he was kind of in two matches that I didn't like so much on this set. Um, but he's still good, so I'm, I'm an Eric Watts fan. All right. Um, I, I, I'm a big football dude, so maybe I would have had a uh, so all right time with this. But, um, I mean, Tyler Bateman is here. Um, Joey Ryan is here. Um, good on uh, uh, Watts and uh, Ryan Taylor and Brandon Cutler. That's yep. uh, that's cool. So, they didn't yeah, this uh, sounds like a very mixed bag. Maybe I would have had a better time with it as a uh, football person, but I don't know. Needed, uh, needed Mr. Touchdown. In fact, needed, um, like, the reunited throwbacks, I think. Um, would have made it... Oh, I can just tell. Would have made it better. Would have made it better. <laughs> for sure. For sure. 
Uh, second to last match on this card is a four-way match. It is Luchasaurus versus Jungle Boy versus uh, two guys, one of them called Aaron Solo, the other called Andy Brown, who I think I had Uptown seen. Andy Brown. Yep, yep, you, you saw him before I mm-hmm. did. Uh, this was my first time seeing him. Um, uh, Aaron Solo, very, very fast wrestler. I'll give him credit for that. I, I didn't pick up much more of an impression than that. Andy Brown has terrible hair, but I think uh, he actually is pretty funny, so I'll give him credit for that at least. <laughs> Um, yeah, I thought Luchasaurus was, again, the clear standout of this match, uh, but Jungle Boy got the victory, um, so take that for what you will. All, all right. Um, I I don't know. Like, it, it, it feels like Luchasaurus should be like, I don't know, should be like the absolute man in a place like bar wrestling, just mm. in general, due to his, his size, his athleticism, the things he actually does in the ring. Like, I don't know. Losing, like, Fatal 4-Way matches and losing to Tyler Bateman just does not uh, sit well with me. I don't know. So, yeah, I guess Jungle Boy won. I have to definitely want to check out this match because I want to see more of Jungle Boy, but it's not, like, a pressing matter. I would like to see if he uh, becomes anything. But as you said in the previous show, there are just – I don't know. There's a lot of high flyers in wrestling currently. A lot of dudes who do, you know – kind of high-flying underdog, you know, lots of flips, lots of springboards, lots of stuff like that. Like, there are just a ton of dudes in that sort of genre and that sort of style of professional wrestling. So I kind of want to see if Jungle Boy can uh, do a little bit more to stand out amongst the crowd because that's one you can get lost in very easily because, you know, if everybody's doing 450 splashes and 630 centons and moonsaults, shooting star presses, everybody's doing... Uh, really fun or different ways to get into arm drags and DDTs and all that stuff. Um, you got to have something to separate yourself. So I uh, want to check out this match just to see, you know, more of Jungle Boy and see if he actually does that. Uh, did you think anything of him in this match? Didn't really sound like it, but uh, what were your thoughts in this match about that dude? Um, yeah, like you said, I, he, he's fine. He does kind of what he does. I don't know, in a world of Eli Everfly and Marco Stunt and, you know, all these, even like, you know, a lesser known guy like Razor Hawk or something, I feel like really talented, small guys who can do really cool things. Um, they're not common exactly, but there's a lot of great choices, and I'm just, I'm not seeing what really sets Jungle Boy apart from them, um, besides the fact that he has, you know, a famous actor for a father. So, I don't know, maybe he will uh, surprise me as I go along, but right now, yeah, kind of ambivalent towards him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see. I see. So, yeah. All right. But the main event uh, of the show is one uh, definitely worth waiting for. It is, once again, Tessa Blanchard and Daga teaming up. But this time, on the other side of the ring, one of the only teams that I might consider uh, on the same level as Doomfly, it is the Lucha Brothers, Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix. And, uh, yeah, this, this... This was great. Um, really, really fun match. Uh, I, I really enjoyed pretty much everyone in here. Even Daga maybe looked a little better in this, although the guy who's not Kevin Condren, and this is this is part of my problem with Daga, he instantly started putting Daga and Phoenix in the same class. And I'm like, no, they aren't. You're lying. <laughs> You're just speaking an untruth. Why would you do it? Um, 
Oh, man. But still, uh, really great stuff in this. Um, not everything I love Pentagon does, of course, do the whole, like, glove thing that always takes too long and is not... You know, I, I like Pentagon the Killer, not Pentagon the, like, taunting... The showman. Yeah, crowd-playing. Yeah, and also, I've noticed this a few times about Tessa Blanchard. As much as I like her, she's got one really annoying habit that I would like to see broken, and that's when someone kicks out of one of her big moves. She does the WWE thing, but, like, times ten of, like, acting like this is the end of her world, and now, like, she'll never Just recover. succumbing uh, to despair <laughs> after it. Like, the whole, game. like, oh, I have to physically crawl away from this person and, like, be, despa- be in despair about what is just... I really hate that. Um, but putting aside those the pretty small things, um, this was super cool. Uh, the finish is Pentagon hitting the package pile driver as Phoenix just hits an, a ludicrous dive out of the ring um, to, to take out any possible competition. Um, and the Lucha Brothers pick up the victory, and they, they show a lot of respect to Daga and uh, Blanchard after the match, which I think was very well earned. So, super fun match. Strongly recommend people find this and check it out. Ooh, I think I will uh, do that when I can, because, you know, you love you know me. I love me some Phoenix. Love me some Pentagon. Um, Tessa Blanchard and Daga are also pretty cool. Um, it's a big rave reviews from Miz fans, so you know what? Yeah, that sounds like that's going to be something right in my wheelhouse, and hopefully, listeners, that'll be something in your wheelhouse as well. Absolutely so. All right, I think that covers everything uh, from the main part of our show. A few things to mention briefly. Uh, of course, AEW having a big rally this uh, this past weekend. Um, or not weekend, but just, uh, what, Thursday or something like that. A lot of big stuff coming out of that. Um, perhaps the most interesting to, to us, we know that uh, the best friends have been signed, which is uh, very cool. Good on them. Uh, we know that Aja Kong is coming to uh, Double or Nothing. We know that, um, oh, what's her name from Tokyo Joshi Pro? I don't want to say Yuka you. Sakazaki. Yes, I do thank you. Me. She is coming, which is a great choice. Genie Pants. Yep, Nyla Rose coming in as well. Sunny Kiss uh, or, uh, yeah. Um, a lot of really talented people being added to that roster so i i am very happy about that i think uh that's looking like a good collection of people mm-hmm. in general that's just that's an astounding list of names i think that just sound wonderful aja kong showing up that's i i think that's uh in particular really really awesome um Yuka Sakazaki, just really enjoying seeing more love for Tokyo Joshi Pro. They've got some talents yeah. over there that are just really cool. Uh, Sunny Kiss and Nyla Rose. Um, I like Sunny Kiss. I don't think I've seen Nyla Rose yet, but I do know she what? is. What? Uh, we, we talked about Nyla Rose like ten times in Sunday Girls, man. What are you talking about? Oh, yes. That's – oh, yeah. damn. <laughs> Wait, I didn't realize – oh, snap. I didn't realize she was transgender. I – Holy yep, shit! That, that cool. That's awesome. As well, um, which is cool. Oh, that's cool. Not, nobody, that, I think that's yeah. why I forgot. Was I was like, talk about a transgender wrestler, and I flew over my head. That's really cool. That's awesome, actually. Nyla Rose rules. That's another really good addition. Hot damn! That's really awesome, actually. Good shit. Um, yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, and honestly, all that stuff I can think for me personally overshadows the weird like Chris Jericho. Kenny Omega continuing feud. That doesn't even matter at this point. Sonny Kiss is there. Nyla Rose is there. Uh, Aja Kong and Yuka Sakazaki are there. The best friends are there. This is setting up to potentially be something really cool. Um, 
This has got a really solid roster, a lot of good representation on this roster already. I am, um, not, you know, I've, I've never been a big Bullet Club or the Elite sort of person, but if this is the sort of roster they're building up, this is where I want to be. This is this is good stuff. I'm about this. I am wholly about this. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you know, regardless of whether you like their wrestling or their comedy or what have you, uh, they're they're doing a lot to live up to what they said they would do about having a um, you know an inclusive roster and uh, trying to do something different, trying to have something kind of for everybody. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking it's looking very good. Mm-hmm. If they if they are really about that wrestling is for everybody, I think the roster they've already uh, accumulated is pretty much exactly that. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, I'm about that. Once again, did not realize I didn't know that about Nyla Rose. That's why I was so like thrown off. I was just like, oh okay, this person's coming in, and then uh, and then it just, just literally just now dawned on me that's Nyla Rose. Hell yeah, I love Nyla Rose. Yeah, no, I had no idea, um, and you know, maybe that's how she prefers it, or yeah, I don't pretend to know her story, but yeah, it, it doesn't even really register to me, except uh, that it is a cool inclusion, but the most cool yes. thing to me is that Nyla Rose is great, and uh, she's going to get recognized as such. Hell yeah. Uh, cool, so that's that's really good stuff. Uh, one sad thing that I don't even really want to talk about much, but I think we have to at least mention it, uh, I think uh, it was just this past week, we heard the news that... Um, Four Lucha Underground stars are suing to get out of their contract. They are uh, King Cuerno, Ivelisse, Joey Ryan, and Cobra Moon, I believe, um, alleging that, uh, you know, wrestling has changed so much uh, since these contracts were signed and they're, you know, too restrictive and uh, uh, people are making a lot more money than they are with these good contracts elsewhere. And, you know, they want to have freedom to be signed exclusively to WWE, AEW, you know, any of the places which are now shelling out big money for exclusive contracts. So I got to say, I get it. I totally sympathize with the talent. Uh, Lucha Underground management has been terrible on things like this, but it also makes me very sad. And I, I hope they find a way to work it out. But I also recognize that at this point, it feels like a longer and longer shot to actually see a season five, which is really heartbreaking to me. But uh, mm-hmm. I guess we'll see what happens. Maybe they can pull it off somehow. It's a story that deserves to finish being told, but not at the cost of uh, wrestlers getting screwed over by this terrible uh, upper management. So, um, so yeah, a complex situation. Like I said, I don't want to talk that much more about it, but at least have to mention it and uh, and how sad it's making me. Indeed, indeed. Hope for the best for both sides in here. I really like Lucha Underground as a product, and you know, you got you got to let people make that money. I think you know yeah. we we live in this type of you know capitalistic world. If they have the opportunity to make the money that you know would make them happy, that would you know provide for their family and friends, whatever, you gotta let them have that opportunity. So hopefully, as Ms. Fan said, uh, they can find a nice happy medium where maybe the exclusivity isn't quite there, but they're still actually doing Lucha Underground things if they ever do a fifth season, because they really ended hot last year, and I was really anticipatory of seeing where that went, so hopefully that does happen, and yeah, so interesting interesting times. Yeah, fair enough. All right, that's all I've got. Anything you want to talk about? I know Dragon Gate uh, had a very super hype match between KZ and Pac recently, which I'm sure we will cover sometime in the next couple weeks. Uh, but anything Indeed. else from there you want to talk about? 
Uh, not necessarily from Dragon Gate, but just want to uh, reiterate once again, I think I've talked about this uh, not last week, but maybe the week before that, National Pro Wrestling Day for Jakara yes. just happened this past weekend, which we will also be uh, definitely trying to check out sometime soon. Um, I don't want to spoil anything, but I did hear there was some uh, forward progress on the uh, Mr. Touchdown and Dasher Hatfield storyline. Okay. Don't know quite what it was, but I did hear that that's actually – uh, something that got addressed at National Pro Wrestling Day, so I was already into it because it's you know it's Chikar, it's National Pro Wrestling Day, but uh, I don't think either guy was on the card uh, to begin with. So yeah, good to see we're gonna get potentially a few more answers from Mr. Uh, Touchdown and Dasher Hatfield in a in you know the first I guess not quite official but kind of basically Chikara show of the season. Looking forward to seeing uh, that when we get around to it. Absolutely, yeah. Should be a very fun show, and it's about time Chikara came back. Been waiting for a long time, so uh, alright, cool. I think that is everything, so uh, thanks very much. If you listen to the show, if you want to shout us out, we're on Twitter. I am at SpectralGent. He is at BigDefEnergy B-I-G-D-E-F Energy. Give us a shout, give us a follow. Uh, also, check out the other great programs on uh, LOP Radio. We got... Uh, Perfect 10 Wrestling. We got uh, All About All Elite, hosted by myself, co-founder of this show, Shane, a.k.a. Mystic. Hope you check that out. Uh, Kingdom of Honor. I believe the doc says returning, which is super cool. Uh, right Sweet. side of the pond. Performance. Uh, no, way. What's planned? Sports Entertainment is dead, maybe? Is Sports Entertainment it? is dead, yes. Okay, yeah. So I think that's all of them. Um, yeah, check out all of those. Also, LordsOfPain.net and LOPForums.com for a lot of great written material. Come join the conversation. That is LOPForums.com. That is everything I can think of. Thank you so much for listening. Until next week, we have been The Global Revolution. See ya. <laughs>